Hi, and welcome to the ODI podcast, covering inspiring stories of data use and impact around the world. I'm Alex Leon, junior consultant, and today we're looking at the power of networks in pushing forward open data initiatives in government. Um, sometimes you actually think that you're ahead of the pack, but you come across ideas that you're like, wow, we, we, we hadn't thought of that. Let's, let's implement that. So it, it, it definitely has been an eye-opener. Um, this is the first time I'm actually meeting um, um, African leaders working on open data because for the first time I'm meeting other African leaders, you know, working on open data initiative. And um, it has bring about cross-fertilization of ideas. We have learned from each other. In fact, um, it helped me to even meet my fellow Nigerian that I've never met before and is doing fantastically well, you know, at state level. So um, this platform bringing us together. That was Martin Nandago and Isaac Mokuolu, two participants of the recent African Open Data Leaders Network in Accra, Ghana. Governments all around the world are looking for ways to become more innovative, harness data's potential to improve decision making and make processes more efficient. Yet innovators responsible for leading reforms often feel isolated within their department or agency or don't know where to go to access support and find inspiration. At the ODI, we've come up with a solution that promotes collaboration and what we call network thinking. Leaders of change initiatives benefit from being connected with a group of their peers facing similar challenges and learning through exchanging lessons from their own experience. It was with this in mind that we created the Open Data Leaders Network, or ODLN, a training program open to civil servants leading open data initiatives in international governments. Here's Fiona Smith, ODI's International Development Manager, discussing the motivation behind the creation of the program. Five years ago, when the Open Data Institute came into being, um, we started having discussions with government leaders all around the world about how to get started with open data. And we realised that they were facing essentially the same challenges and problems, no matter what country they were from. So we came up with this seed of an idea to bring them together within a network so that together as a group of peers, they could start to explore their common challenges, but also start to generate ideas about how they could go about tackling them and sort of exchange some lessons on best practice, um, what's working in their own countries. So that was the, the start of, of this idea about five years ago. And then three years ago, with the support of the Open Data for Development Network and the World Bank, um, we were able to, to actually create this, this program. So with a clear need identified, the ODI needed to devise a strategy to support open data leaders within government. Here's Fiona Smith again on the thinking behind the program. We commissioned some research uh, looking at what are the barriers towards open data culture change within governments, but also what are some of the strategies that government leaders were using to get quick wins. And so what we found is that there are very sort of common elements towards uh, being successful in getting open data off the ground. They include things um, like engaging communities of data users, um, showing the demand for open data, uh, and then also having some pilot projects where you can actually show quick wins, success, and bring other of your colleagues on board. So we, we put that paper out, and that really became the basis then of our curriculum and some of the topics that we then train about and talk about with open data leaders. So it covers everything um, like how do you come up with a, a good strategy for sustainability? Um, how do you structure a team? What are some of the key skills that you need 
uh, within that team, both technical but also policy? And then how do you actually tell the story of open data impact and success? How do you make it interesting um, to people at all different levels, uh, including your boss? Because that can sometimes be the, the hardest uh, person to influence. As a peer learning program, however, ODLN differs from a traditional training course. The first cohort was really our experiment in what it means to construct a peer network. We knew that we wanted to make it very different from your typical training. We knew that from the start. So we wanted to build in lots of time for peer-to-peer -peer exchange, including times where we stepped out of the room and just let the leaders themselves generate ideas, come up with plans of action. So we, we looked into different methodologies like action learning sets, where, where individuals or small groups actually coach each other through solving a problem that they might be having in their day-to-day -day jobs. And we found that that worked really well, that people got a lot out of that. But we also found the leaders enjoyed the experience of being in London and interacting with experts from the ODI, but also from the UK government. So we always try to, to build in um, an element of kind of learning exchange or study exchange of the UK environment. We also found it important to think about how to keep the leaders connected afterwards. Part of the rationale of the ODLN was to help these individuals build their own professional networks so that they can boost their own careers, but also create some visibility around what they're doing in their own countries, but on an international stage. Up until recently, the ODLN program was based in the UK, with participants flying into London from countries as far-flung as Mexico, New Zealand and Ukraine. However, in 2017, as part of our continued work with the Open Data for Development Network, the ODI was given the opportunity to create a regional version of the program in Accra, Ghana. Here's Fiona Smith again. Well, we know from things like the Open Data Barometer that countries are all at different levels with implementing open data. And that's partly down to very different uh, political and economic contexts. So it makes a lot of sense to convene groups of leaders in sub-regions where they might have more in common in terms of uh, similar political, economic or social challenges. So that was really the thinking behind convening the Africa Open Data Leaders Network. And it was part of uh, a bigger initiative of the Open Data for Development Network, uh, which is really trying to invest more into strengthening the ecosystem for open data within Africa. So we worked in partnership with the Africa Open Data Network and also the, the government of Ghana to bring together a group of eight different leaders from countries uh, covering both West uh, and East Africa and ran a shortened version of the, of the peer network model. The AODLN program took place over three days in Accra, Ghana, immediately preceding the African Open Data Conference with participants from the countries of Ghana, Nigeria, Burkina Faso, Mauritania, Kenya, Uganda and Ethiopia. Participants came from national and subnational levels of government with a diverse range of professional backgrounds, from tech specialists to project managers to policy wonks. Creating a regional iteration of a training program, however, can come with unique challenges. So when we were planning for AODLN, we had to take a step back and really assess where each of the participating countries were up to with their open data journey. 
some of the countries were still taking their first steps and thinking about how to actually publish open data, what kind of portal they might use, whereas other countries had more established programs and were thinking about, okay, how do we get pilot projects going or how do we expand this into different sectors like agriculture or open contracting? So we had to really keep in mind the different levels of maturity and capacity within the room and think creatively about how we could have constructive conversations. And we found uh, one of the most effective sessions was conducting a bit of speed dating of sorts, uh, where, where each of the leaders would have a chance to discuss an idea they had for a new project with someone else in the room to get feedback from that idea, build on it and then rotate until at the end of a couple of hours, they came up with a really strong proposal that they could pitch to the group, having obtained advice and ideas from their peers with different levels of technical experience and also political savviness. Unlike the London-based program, the ODI was presented with the opportunity to collaborate with local partners on the ground in Accra to connect participants with journalists, activists and researchers within the region. So we also wanted to plug the leaders into uh, groups of innovators and organisations that already existed in the region because there's so much going on uh, with, within Africa in terms of civic tech and open data that we wanted to, to help connect the leaders with these different networks. So we brought in a range of actors from civil society organisations like Open Knowledge as well as our technologists themselves and also took the leaders on a bit of a tour of a local uh, innovation hub called iHub in Ghana, just to expose them to what was going on in that particular local context and to maybe take back some ideas about how they can motivate the open data ecosystem in their own countries by ideas like, you know, hackathons or supporting startups um, and exploring joint projects with journalists or civic activists. So what is the state of open data in Africa? 11 states signed the Open Government Declaration in 2011, which states that people all around the world are demanding more openness in government. Since then, some governments in the region have made public commitments to open up their data, but the Open Data Barometer, an index from the Web Foundation which ranks countries' open data initiatives, put African countries at the bottom of their rankings. So what are the challenges facing open data leaders in Africa? We asked participants of AODLN what they felt were the main obstacles. Here's John Eremaselli from the Edo State ICT Agency in Nigeria. Within Africa, the major challenge, I think, with, with open data is data use. Because um, African governments, civil societies have been, have been able to identify the benefits of open data. There's a data revolution currently ongoing. We want to encourage use, we need to encourage use, and use at different levels, the journalism, the media, the um, data visualization experts, the programmers, the farmer, the grassroots, even government, they need to use open data for policy making and all of that. So use has been low. Martin Andago from Kenya Law also underlines data use as a big struggle for initiatives based on the continent. Um, I think access to information has definitely been quite an issue. I mean, the data is there, but then getting people to avail the data is something else altogether. So we have had memos written, we have had circulars circulated, we have had directives and orders, but getting the basic buy-in of the public sector has really taken some time. 
Um, but slowly by slowly, people are actually availing this data. So that is definitely one of the main challenges that we have had. But I think it's something we're slowly overcoming. People are actually realizing that this information is not being put out there to their disadvantage, but to advantage the country as a whole. One of the positive aspects of running a regional program was the increased potential for collaboration between bordering countries or countries that share a similar cultural or political context. We asked the AODLM participants whether they felt the chance to connect with their peers could lead to collaboration down the road. Here's William Addo from the Ghana Statistical Service. Oh, you are talking about collaboration. You just talked about West Africa. In fact, I'm going beyond West Africa. As it says, I'm supposed to help uh, Mauritania um, develop something on communication to help them recruit and replace, and it's out of this network. I'm supposed to do a little more research into Burkina. We are supposed to talk more. He's supposed to open up a few things to me that I think we could implement here. Nigeria, at the state level, at the national level, the open government, and then the open data at the at the, at the federal level. It's beautiful. They, they, they are way ahead of us. Kenya, yeah, yeah, I mean, just name it. It looks like almost every country that was here. There's something we can do together. There's something we've already started talking about doing together, whether open data or not. I mean, there's so much to it. Isaac Mokuwalu, who heads up the Open Contracting Initiative at the Nigerian Bureau of Public Procurement, shared a similar sentiment. There is a potential for regional collaboration. I'll give you an example of what is happening in Tanzania in the educational sector. It's something that I aspire to lead when I get back to, to my country, to lead that initiative, how we can use data to, to solve so many issues. And I would also like to learn also from Tinto, from uh, Burkina Faso. And he's doing wonderfully well in terms of coordination and how they are able to work around coordinating the agenda of open data. So this, to me, is, is a wonderful um, uh, area of, of, of future collaboration and not also forgetting uh, what is also... Now, a few months on, participants are still in contact via WhatsApp and Slack and are sharing links, keeping each other accountable and exploring opportunities to collaborate between their governments. As is often the case leading change in government, progress is slow and steady. As a result of the program, participants have been forging ahead in their goals, pitching their open data initiatives to political representatives, creating a national open data policy, and increasing coordination between regional and national efforts. As we heard at the beginning of the podcast, open data leaders take great benefit from the Open Data Leaders Network and the subsequent connections made between peers. We believe that the creation of sustainable peer networks is integral to progressing the open data agenda across the world. So what's in store for the program and what are the ODI's hopes for its future? So in the future, we really hope to see these leaders continuing to connect with each other, even without the ODI. So what gets me really excited is when I hear about organic projects of collaboration or sharing going on uh, that doesn't even involve us. For example, a leader using the training resources that someone has produced somewhere else in the world, or you know, translating a piece of research, or maybe borrowing uh, some tips on how to develop a policy. We also hope that there are more opportunities to showcase case studies of impact. So as these leaders start to gain momentum, actually implement their strategies, that, that we can look out for forums and platforms to shout about what they're doing so that the political will uh, for open data is, is maintained. And lastly, we hope to see more action at regional levels and to see that the relationships that were forged at AODLN continue to strengthen 
and that those leaders uh, will be more and more engaged in the different networks that are already existing there. And we're really grateful for partners like LDRI based in Kenya who can really um, take a strong leadership role in helping to convene that. And ultimately, we really hope to see just more impact in the world through open data. So lives changed, uh, better economic policies and decisions being made, and more transparency. Thanks for listening to the ODI podcast. I'm Alex Leon, our editor is Anna Scott, and our producer is Freya Hellier. If you want to learn more about data in all its forms and how to make the best of it, we hold diverse interactive training courses and events. Find out more at theodi.org or tweet us at ODIHQ. The ODI would like to thank the participants featured in this podcast, William Addo, Isaac Mokuolu, John Eromasele, and Martin Andago. Big thanks to Fiona Smith, Pauline Lenaf, Emily Vacher, Gillian Whitworth, and James Madison for their work on the AODLN program. ODLN and its regional variants are part of the OD4D program managed by Canada's International Development Research Centre. It is a donor partnership with the World Bank, the United Kingdom's Department for International Development, and Canada's Department for Foreign Affairs, Trade and Development. 